are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a December 29th Friday edition of the Locked on Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, editor of LeBronWire.com, former Blazer beat writer, and your host here on Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Welcome back to the show. We are here. We are surprised. I don't know how it happened. The Blazers come back from 18 points down. I do know how it happened. We're going to talk about it. But the Blazers come back from 18 points down late in the third quarter last night to come back and defeat the Philadelphia 76ers at home without Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard was a late scratch. He was ruled out at the last minute. The Blazers still get the win 114-110 on Thursday night on TNT, a night of comebacks in the two TNT games where uh, the home team in both uh, games, both in the Boston-Houston game and then later in the Portland-Philadelphia matchup, uh, stormed back from big deficits to get an improbable win. And uh, big credit goes to Shabazz Napier, who had 22 of his 23 points in the fourth quarter, but... Uh, C.J. McCollum had a big night, 34 points, got to the line 14 times. Uh, the free throw line was was really where the Blazers were able to expose the, the youth of the Sixers, get them to foul them a lot, and uh, Nurk, Yusuf Nurkic looked like he, he like popped his nose open on a play with J.J. Redick, and it looked like he, he got like Reddick's mouth on his nose or something like and and because because Reddick had like a like a gauze thing in his mouth because that's where it looked like he got hit and then Nurk I don't know what happened Nurkic all of a sudden it was it was the Nurkic we saw at the end of last year it was the Nurkic that that rose to the occasion that brought the thunder that stepped up in the matchup against Joel Embiid and for as much talk as Shabazz got from some amazing passes and amazing scoring plays, I mean, Shabazz absolutely deserves credit for what he did to help lead the Blazers uh, back in that game. But also, you got, you know, got to give credit to, uh, you, you got, I mean, got to give credit to Yusuf Nurkic. I mean, Nurk. Uh, I was really hard on him after the last game, and I I went and dissected the numbers and talked about how he hasn't really delivered. And I talked about that one play where I thought he went up soft, and you know he had some plays yesterday where he went up strong. He got the ball, he came baseline and threw it down, and and and, and that's the type of sh- stuff that I'm talking about. Like that is exactly what you want from Yusuf Nurkic. Maybe it took getting hit in the face. I don't know, but. He woke up last night in the second half when the in the late third quarter after Portland went down by 18 when it looked like the game was 
you know, the game looked like it was it was you know slipping out of their hands. It looked like this game was over. It looked like they were going to have another blowout loss to the Sixers on their record. It looked like, you know, uh, with all the stuff that's been going on, all the talk about Vulcans and 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 and, and what's been going on with you know, trying to figure out what's going on with the team and Dame is out and all this stuff. And then you start, you know, start getting uneasy. You start, all these things start creeping into your head about what it means for the Blazers, what's happening. And, and for Nurk to step up, make plays, get to the line, you know, make enough of his free throws. Also had some great defensive moments Against Joel Embiid, he didn't turn the ball over either. Nurkic took care of the ball. He he made some plays. He didn't shoot great, only five of thirteen from the field. But it, it, it was it was about more than that. It was about more than just those field goal efficiency stats from Nurk last night. And I think that's one of the things that I really took away from watching that second half rally again was because you know I, I was watching the game with my, my with my friend Sean Hyken. And, and we moved on to another place. And so we missed, you know, a good portion of that. And, and I rewatched it uh, at, after the, the game uh, later last night. And the, the, the activity, the, the meanness, the, the, the passion, you know, Nurk, you know, I think Nurk always plays with feels. And I think it's, it's tough in an 82 game season to ask someone to have that intensity all the time. But you know what? That's what this job requires. You know, in, in the NBA, when you're trying to win games, and especially when you're Nurkic, and I think Nurkic is such an important part of this Blazers team. He's the third most important player. You know, he's the reason why they had expectations. He's the reason why people looked at them and said, okay, maybe they can make the playoffs. But people didn't think maybe much beyond that. But his arrival... His getting there and and the the finish to the season that the Blazers had last year was the biggest reason for optimism coming into this season. And you know you look at this team and and for the most part, Alfred Camino ha- has been outstanding this year. You know he's been hurt, but when he's played, he's been outstanding. And CJ McCollum has been CJ McCollum for the most part. Damian Lillard has had some had some slumps, but he's mostly been Damian Lillard. And I think what you needed from Nurk was that passion on the offensive end and that and that and I think maybe going against Embiid maybe brought some of that out of him. Maybe it's a it's a it's a little bit of a jealousy thing. You know, he sees Embiid, you know, being, you know, the the darling of the league and, and, and the guy that everyone really loves to loves to follow and loves to uh you know, lo- loves to, you know, embellish and things like that. And I love Joel Embiid, but uh, it, it, I think Embiid really, uh, or not Embiid, Nurk really, whether it was the fact that he, uh, you know, he doesn't like Embiid's antics or that he doesn't, or that he just, or he got hit in the face and that, and that pissed him off, you know, whatever it was, the Blazers need a little bit more of that. Like, like they, they need more of that mean Nurk. They need him to get into that place where he gets a little angry and not to the point where it, you know, he's clotheslining guys or something like that. I'm not talking about that, but it's just he needs to play 
with a passion and he needs to and, and 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 he needs to go up strong and use his strength which and and again one of the things th- this is a different thing but I talked about it when I was at the Denver game and that is that Aminu usually takes the assignment of the opposing center if that opposing center has three point range and I'm and and I'm glad that last night they started putting Nurk on MB because you know what is the what is the point? What is the point of having a center out there and depending on him if he can't guard other centers? Even if, if they have three point range or what? He's he's just as quick as Jokic, he's just as quick as Embiid, he's just as quick as Towns. You know, he can hang with those guys. And so when the Blazers face those guys, there's no point in the Blazers being big if you can't stick your big guy on their big guy. And Nurkic got in foul trouble. He had five fouls. He got his fifth early in the fourth quarter. So I get why that's a concern. But you're you're playing from a disadvantage if you're relegating Nurk to being a help defender. And I really think that Aminu is, is way more... He's, he's faster. He's quicker. He can cover more ground. I think... Him being that help defender type player, I think if you're going to be playing Nurkic, he's got to be guarding those centers. He's got to be guarding the Embiid's of the world. He's got to be guarding the Townses. He's got to be guarding the Jokic's. And, you know, he got he got eaten up by Jokic the other night, but he's got to rise to that challenge. He's got to be ready for that. And last night, he had a chance to get after it. He did get after it after a really slow start, and and he really stepped up and I and, and went to the foul line, got fouled, made plays, and and that is the type of stuff that you need from Nurkic, and uh, I I really do think that that's important, and I think you know with the rest of the Blazers' schedule here, they're gonna be on the road now uh, after this game. Uh, they're heading to Atlanta, and that you know maybe that's not going to be the best opportunity for. Uh, Nurk to to get a, a run against you know those big centers and I also think that uh, uh, in addition to that you know the the next matchup after that I, th- I believe is Cleveland you know that's also not going to be uh, a, a very easy uh, uh, you know that's not going to be very easy either uh, for for Nurkic or not not necessarily you know the best matchup they've also got Chicago on this trip but. And Chicago is playing much better, and one of their big successful things has been playing small. So, you know, but but when those when these types of matchups happen against Embiid, against these great centers, you know, Nurk has got to be able to step up and guard these guys. And and I and I think that he can. I think that he's capable, and I think that that really helps put everything else into place. And I think that was also one of the keys last night is the Blazers were able to get stops which they've been able to get stops all season. But I, I, I just think things things looked a little bit better. And 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 I think Nurk deserves a lot of credit. And, of course, Shabazz Napier uh, with some amazing plays. He nutmegged Joel Embiid for what should have been an assist. And Nurk, even after the play, after he missed it, he was like, yo, I should have had that. And then uh, and then the, the two of those guys, Nurk and Shabazz, combined for an incredibly awesome play that led to a three-pointer for Mo Harkless, where it was Nurk found uh, a nice feed to, to Shabazz, kind of cutting into the lane, and then Shabazz 
keeps going on the drive and has like an incredible no look high bounce pass to Harkless right perfectly in the pocket and and he hits it and and another thing that I was saying on the last podcast before this game was what happened? You know, are we going to see more Mo Harkless after the Laker game? And the answer was yes. So, but will we see him if Dame is back? And I guess that is the next question. The Blazers with a great win last night once again. Uh, just you know, this is one of those games where it's like you want to talk about it for a while because it was so wild. And I, I just ended the last uh, segment talking about Mo Harkless and. I think this is important that that Harkless plays, and I think last night, you know, he he did hit his threes, and that was really positive. But his impact was not just on threes, and 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 it, and it that does not, you know, obviously that helps, and he's shooting the ball confidently, and maybe he will get that percentage up to the thirty-five range where he was last year, thirty-five, thirty-six. That would be awesome. And I think he has that incentive in his contract again. And he's got to be, he can't be afraid to shoot those. And I think almost more than him, okay, it's not more important than him knocking him down. I'm not going to, you know, that this is not true. Knocking them down is the most important thing. But of secondary importance to knocking them down is just having the confidence to shoot them when you're open. And, uh, and, and having, and, and making the defense think that they at least have to close out on you. And, and Harkless was doing that he was doing his little thing he can cut a little bit he can post up a little bit he's actually been one of the more I think he's actually been the most efficient guy in terms of points per possession when he posts up on from the synergy public numbers that are available I don't know uh, some of those deeper synergy level numbers where you know they they analyze the offense that comes off of those but he had one you know, post up last night where they doubled him. He made a nice pass to Nurkic, and Nurkic finished. And 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 I think, you know, the Blazers' best moments, for the most part, over the last three years, Mo Harkless has been a part of those. And and I don't think that that's something. I don't think that's just coincidental. I don't think that that's just something that is just you know a, a, a circumstance of the team. I think. Harkless adds something to their team with his athleticism, his ability to run the floor. He can kind of be a little bit of a post-up threat on smaller guards because he is a bigger body. And I think he is getting a little bit more skilled in that. You know, that that pass is not something that is an easy thing to do. You know, guys that post up, they don't just make that pass. They don't. It's not just an easy thing to do. And uh, the other aspect of this is his interchangeability and chemistry with Al Farouk Aminu, who Aminu didn't make a shot last night, scored zero points, but still played 30 minutes, had a, a very important, useful game for the Blazers. But I think him and Aminu, you know, last night you see it against a team like the Sixers, who are big in a lot of positions, they're very versatile, and they can really punish you. And when you're playing against those elite teams, when you're playing against those teams that have elite athletes, bigger guys that 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 are tough to contend with, you know, I think you, that's when you need the Aminu and the Harkless combination. And I think, you know, Harkless and, and, and Aminu both showed last night that they can really, they're interchangeable. They can switch on everything. You know, you had Harkless getting on to 
J.J. Reddick, and then you had Aminu on him, and then you had him on Simmons, and then they were switching, and all this stuff, and the the Blazers become a lot more, they can become a lot more, uh, they can adjust to things in, a, in on the fly in, in, in different ways out there, and I think I, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Dame comes back, because right now, you know, Shabazz Napier getting a ton of minutes, Pat Connaughton getting a pretty decent amount of minutes, and, and Mo also, and and I wonder how they sacrifice. I think maybe it'll be Zach Collins that ends up getting the minutes sacrificed, but it, it, Zach Collins, you know, has, has been contributing, and, and it's not like he's been a waste of space out there. He has been playing good defense, passing the ball well, making nice plays, and, and adding some kind of a spacing threat there. But I do think that the ability to play fast, the ability to run, you know, and, and, and let the guards kind of thrive in some chaos, you know, I, I, I think that is really a, a, a good thing for the Blazers. And I think the more, I, I think the more Moa Harkless, uh, I think the better. And I, I, I don't think Stotts was wrong to look at trying to figure out how they could work in with Turner, how they could get Connaughton out there. And I think I think Turner's going to remain in the starting lineup. But I think for those second units, I think they do have a dimension there that they can go small with where you can put Mo at four if you want and you want to give Aminu a break or you can put them both at three and four and then you have that interchangeability and then that athleticism that can go run the floor and kind of create kind of little ripples and maybe create some easier offense because the Blazers have not really had a great time scoring in the half court. You know, those types of secondary break opportunities where Harkless is running down and he has a small guard and it's a quick post-up, one dribble, one dribble move to the basket, maybe a pass to Nurkic like he had last night. You know, those are areas where maybe Portland can thrive because you know, one of the things with the Blazers, as good as Nurkic was last night, one of the issues is that, you know, it, it's been kind of gummed up in there. They haven't been able to be really that efficient offensively with him on the court. But I think there are other ways that they can approach that. And I think maybe one of those ways is trying to run a little bit more. And I know Stotts is, is a big fan of tempo and they're not running because it's not that they're running because he doesn't want them to. But it, 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 I think it's a, per, I think personnel really matters there, and Connaughton's a really good athlete as well, and and I think you know you could look at a different option, you know, on these second units with say C.J. Shabazz, Connaughton, Ed Davis, and Harkless, and then you're playing small, you're playing fast, and and, and you're trying to get some easier shots, you're trying to get some more spacing out there, you're getting a little bit more versatility, and I think ultimately that will lead to good things. Now last night was just one day one data point and one uh miraculous comeback so you know maybe but but the the blazers need to find something you know what what has been going on at home and 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 their struggles that they've been having have been really difficult and you know mo harkless deserves a lot of credit for these last two games for the blazers getting victories and uh i i think in this game in particular nurkic really as i mentioned deserves a lot of credit and uh, you know, Ed Davis also a big game last night for the Blazers, and I, and I really do think that th- these are things that they're going to have to. Uh, I think I mean they are clearly are working on those things, and uh, I think I think maybe they they are rediscovering some things. I think maybe maybe Stotts has rediscovered Mo Harkless, and and Harkless, you know, to his credit, has performed. 
and 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 giving Stotts a reason to to believe in uh, in playing him once again and giving him minutes again. And, and uh, if that's really good to see, and it's good to see that Harkless has stayed ready, that he has not gotten discouraged, and even though it was a pretty discouraging month for the Blazers so far, uh, he, he stayed with it. He stayed ready. And, and uh, in a second, we're going to look ahead at this Blazers road trip that they will start on tomorrow in Atlanta. So the Blazers are hitting the road. They're going to be on the road for a three-game road trip before they come back home for a couple of days. And uh, this is going to be an interesting road trip because you've got a couple of teams here that, uh, you know, the Eastern Conference, uh, I think, actually has gotten a little bit better. And But the, there are a couple of teams here that could be tricky. And Atlanta, uh, you know, they're a well-coached team. They run their system well. They don't have the most talented players uh, on their roster because it, I think they're kind of tanking. Well, not kind of tanking. I think they are tanking. And trying to get that, trying to get one of those number one picks, but they have won two games in a row, and uh, at you know, being in Atlanta, uh, being on the road, first game of a road trip, maybe could be some trouble. But at the same time, for whatever reason, the Blazers have been a much more dependable team on the road this year, and they have been comfortable in those road settings and. Uh, you know, I think th- they should be able to take care of business there because the trip doesn't really get any easier after they visit Atlanta. After they visit Atlanta, they have a New Year's Day matchup in Chicago against the Bulls, and the Bulls, who looked like a, they looked like the worst team in the league on paper coming into this season, and for a while they were. And then suddenly they've won eight of their last ten. They had a seven-game win streak, and uh, during, over the last couple of weeks, Nikola Mirotic uh, ha- has really uh, elevated them. He comes off the bench for them most of the time, but he's really helped them with their spacing. And and Lori Markkinen, the the rookie from Finland, uh, will stretch you out. And I think that's more of a matchup for Aminu because he's not really a center. He's more of a four. Um, and, and and so you know that's going to be a, a tough matchup because he kind of floats out at the perimeter a lot, and and he's going to create some spacing issues. It's going to be some issues for the Blazers, I think, defensively. Markinen is is actually really good. Um, Robin Lopez, good defensive center, as you know very well from his time here in Portland. And then guys like Chris Dunn, who uh, looked really you know looked lost last year in Minnesota, has unleashed during this run and and the Bulls as a whole just look like a much more competent team I've even found myself watching Bulls games voluntarily over the last two weeks because they have actually been kind of fun to watch and and uh that game's going to be a tough one for Portland because the the Bulls have kind of changed they've turned things around they're messing up the tank they're going full major league with it and uh, it, it is a little reminiscent of the Blazers uh, two seasons ago when they came in with no expectations. Everyone thought they were going to be one of the worst five teams in the league. And then they came in and after a rough start, they started winning games. And, and the Bulls a little bit like that. And now in the standings, you know, the Bulls are still pretty far out of it. But 
uh, you know, they're only six games out of the playoffs at this point, whereas, you know, they were like more like, you know, 11 and 12 games out of it uh, a couple of weeks ago. So that Bulls game, they're playing really good basketball and they're going to be at home. So uh, that game, even though on the schedule, it looks like an easy win because the Bulls are 12 and 22. That 12 and 22 is not indicative of the team that they have been over the last few weeks. Watch them get a win at Milwaukee the other night. Uh, who and the Bucks have been playing good ball since they got Eric Bledsoe, and they've got they've beaten Boston. Uh, they, they've gotten a lot of quality wins. The Bulls have, so it's not as if uh, the Blazers can can just walk in there and expect an easy win. This Bulls team is uh, playing a different type of basketball than they were even just a couple of weeks ago, and, and Miritich has really done a big part of that, but the team as a whole has really just worked really well together. And then after Chicago on the first, they have the Eastern Conference champion Cleveland Cavaliers on the second, and that and that game is, uh, you know, that's the Cavs. They're going to be at home. They have hit a little bit of a skid with their bench play as of late, the reintegration of Tristan Thompson hasn't really gone that well. I think that I think they're a better team with Channing Fry on the court, and it'll be interesting to see how the the Cavs adjust between now. They just had their wine day in Napa Valley, and they head to Utah to face the Jazz on Saturday. Uh, they might have Isaiah Thomas back, and actually Sam Amick of USA Today reported that. You know, it's highly unlikely that that Thomas is going to come back on Saturday against the Jazz, which would and and then the game against the Blazers is the front end of a back to back, and they're not going to have him playing on a back to back immediately after this really long rehab. So it is looking like that game on Tuesday is going to be uh, a little bit of a lion's den because that for the Blazers, you're walking into a game where. They're going to be hyped. They're going to be getting their all-star point guard, who they haven't seen yet, play for them back. They're going to ha- He's going to be making his debut. The atmosphere is probably going to be pretty crazy. Uh, but on the flip side of that, uh, you look at it from Portland's perspective, they'll have a couple of games, hopefully, you know, for Dame to get reintegrated back into it. And uh, Isaiah Thomas is having his first scrimmage today with the Cavs. So there's going to be some kind of adjustment period. They're going to be trying to figure themselves out. So, you know, it is going to be a little bit of a lion's den from the atmosphere perspective. It's going to be really crazy in there. But I also do think that this is a, if you're going to face the Cavs uh, on this trip, having it be the first game that Isaiah is trying to work his way back is not the worst thing and and the the Cavs themselves are in an adjustment period because they're trying to as I said get Tristan Thompson back acclimated into the lineup and he struggled recently uh and then they're going to be trying to get a new point guard that is going to have to learn learning how to play with LeBron James that is going to be a uh an adjustment period for the Cavs and I think an opportunity for Portland to get a win there and, and, and I and I really do think that that is, is on the table and uh, I think it's probably a little bit better than maybe catching the Cavs later on in the season once they've had Thomas for a few weeks months and that's when they face them back here in Portland but uh, that Cavs game 
is is going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff surrounding that game, and I think uh, you know Portland's biggest challenge in that game is not getting sucked into the excitement of the moment, but also you know realizing that it's a tough game and not letting that you know you know really roll them over. And 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 the other thing with that matchup against the the Cavs is the the Blazers bench has to bring it. Blazers bench has to show up. Uh, obviously, the starters do as well. But uh, those bench units, with you know, especially if Channing Frye is is back in the rotation, with Kyle Korver, D Wade, Jeff Green, and and Fry and either LeBron or J.R. Smith, you know, those lineups have been killing teams, and a big reason why uh, the Cavs won 18 out of 19 before they lost three out of their last four, which is what's just happened. But uh, you know the Blazers bench is going to have to bring it. You know Evan Turner is going to need to deliver. They're going to need to play well, and 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 the Blazers are going to have to bring their scoring, you know, with them because slowing down the Cavs is really really hard to do. And and the Blazers are going to have to deliver. And I think it's going to be really interesting against probably almost. It sounds very likely that it's going to be Isaiah Thomas's first game. So uh, that should also be just a fun one to watch. But the Blazers are back on the court tomorrow, Saturday, in Atlanta against the Hawks. That game is going to be a 4.30 start here on the West Coast. So tune in for that one. We're going to have a recap after that as well. We'll keep you locked in on it. And then we're going to be in 2018 uh, after uh, that Atlanta game the Blazers will be on the 2018 half of their schedule but that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Blazers part of the Locked on Podcast Network subscribe tell your friends leave a five-star review and we will be back with you once again tomorrow after the Blazers face off against the Atlanta Hawks in ATL.